Uh, we are tonight continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus is talking to uh, really Christians, but really anybody, just about what uh, kingdom life looks like here on earth. And so he's really explaining here uh, on the Sermon on the Mount what the kingdom of heaven looks like for Christians who are now still living in the kingdom of earth, how it, how it impacts us, changes us, and, and really uh, guides the way that we live our lives. And so it's been, I don't know about for you guys, but for me as I've been studying it, it's been a challenging series and it's been very on point for where we are in 2020. Jesus talking about the difference between uh, Christians, someone changed by Christ and everybody else. And um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, tonight is, or today is Halloween. And I was earlier today just kind of scrolling through my phone and I saw a video online as I was watching of some NBA basketball players going through a haunted house. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in something like that. I, the last time I was ever in something like that was a long, long, long time ago. I was like a teenager. But I was watching this video of these guys go through this haunted house, and you've got these um, seven-foot-tall just beasts, right? Guys who are million, multi-millionaires on the basketball court, afraid of nothing, just crushing people, competitive, right? Scared of nothing. And I watched in this video as these guys ran through this thing like two-year-old little kids screaming and crying all the way through. And what I learned as I kind of was watching this video, kind of like, what are these guys doing? Is that fear uh, in the right circumstances is common to all. Is it not? Fear is something that no matter who you are, no matter how big you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how great you think you are, fear is something that is a common experience to all. And on top of that, kind of combined with fear even, uh, is uh, uh, is worry and anxiety. Now, I begin to think about this idea of worry and anxiety, and that's another thing that is common for all people. It doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter uh, your life experience, doesn't matter your gender. All of us in life, every person at some stage of life or even this week can fall into this temptation to be held captive by worry. It doesn't matter where you're at. I think about um, different life stages. I, I think about my son uh, Judah right now. Now, maybe we may look at something and go, that's nothing to worry about. But in that life stage, in that moment, that worry that you might experience is feels real to you. It feels big. I think about uh, Judah and he has this little, he's over there in his little Spider-Man cape. Um, he has this little sword that he starts carrying around with him. It's actually a lightsaber. And it comes from a Darth Vader action figure that he stole it from. And he carries it around with him everywhere. He sticks it in his diaper like a little sheath and pulls it out. And he's like, sword! And it's really cute. And what we've learned about this sword is that if he loses that sword, the world ends for everyone in the house until we find that sword, right? Like, he sleeps with it. He wakes up. Like, I'll walk in his room. First thing in the morning, he sits up and he's like, sword. That's the most important thing, right? If he loses that sword, we may look at that and go, it's no big deal. And his experience right there is a huge deal to his little heart. I think about teenager Mike. What was a huge deal? What did teenage Mike worry about? You know what teenage Mike worried about? Girls. Come on, what did every teenage boy worry about? How can I get girls to like me? How can I get a girlfriend? Right? That's why, literally why I learned how to play guitar. Maybe this will work and help girls like me. 
Spoiler alert, it did work. It did work, right? Um, I think about college Mike. What did college Mike worry about? I worried about probably the same questions that all college students worry about. What am I going to do with my life and how am I going to pay these student loans, right? How am I going to, right? How am I going to do this? I, I think about my worries now. What do I worry about now? Those little kids. How, how are they going to, how am I going to keep them alive? What are their lives going to look like in 10 years? How am I going to support them? How am I going to guide them? How am I going to teach them? Like these are the things that in different stages of life I'm, I'm worrying about. And I cannot wait to learn what I'm going to worry about as I get older, right? The next, it's just like the gift that keeps on giving. I think if I asked you, what are you worried about today? Or what have you worried about this week? You could probably give me a list of things that you've worried about. I think 2020 has given us all a list of things that, that has maybe added to the things that we worry about. And, and this is a battle, if I can encourage you tonight, this is a battle that you will probably fight constantly for the rest of your life, whether or not you're going to give in to, be captive to, be a slave to, worry and anxiety. And what we're going to see tonight is Jesus has some words of wisdom of how the Christian, specifically the Christian, should deal with, approach, face, worry, and anxiety. As a matter of fact, my Bible calls this Bible passage the cure for anxiety. And spoiler alert, what we're going to learn is that it really pretty much boils down to what we put our trust in. Um, but before we jump in, I do want to say this. I want to make it clear that um, this is not like if if... Worry, anxiety is a crippling thing for you. If it's a real thing that you need to seek counseling from or talk to a doctor about or need even like medication, like that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing wrong with that. Like mental health is important and um, Jesus gives us medicine to help us. So let me say that before we jump in. This is not going to be a sermon where we're like, pray it away and you'll never worry again. And if you do, you're a sinner, right? It's not going there. However, Jesus is going to tell us that there's some things that the Christian can do to not be held captive by worry because in most cases if it's not like those examples I'm talking about worry is something that we fight in between our own ears that we choose whether or not we're going to allow it to defeat us okay so what does Jesus say about this if you remember uh, last week uh, we just got done where Jesus is telling us what our treasure should be. He's talking about what our greatest treasure should be, what our greatest focus should be, what our, our greatest loyalty should be. And he kind of just continues that right here in verse, or Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34 is, gonna, is what he's going to read, or what I'm going to read. Is he's going to say, therefore, meaning because I'm your greatest treasure, because I'm your greatest focus, because I'm the thing that you should be most loyal to, because I'm your treasure, because I'm your focus, because I'm what you're loyal to, don't worry about your life. That's a pretty strong start, isn't it? Because I'm your treasure, because I'm your focus, because you're loyal to me above all, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Jesus just gave us some truth, didn't he? He says, because I'm your treasure, because I'm your focus, because I'm what you are most loyal to above all, don't worry. And he gives us three things. He gives us a philosophical reason, he gives us a physical reason, and he gives us a practical reason here why we shouldn't worry. Philosophically, did you catch that in the beginning? He says, because life is more than food and clothing. 
Life is more than the material things that so often in life we get caught up with worrying about. He says life is bigger than that. Life is more important. Like the riches of life is found in more than where you live. The riches of life are found in more than what kind of clothes you wear. Like you lose your house, that would stink, right? You live in a smaller house now. But that's not what the true richness and goodness and value in life is found, is it? It's found in love, it's found in relationships, it's found in friendship, it's found in adventure, it's found in living for something bigger than yourself, it's found in living for God. It's those intangible things that aren't physical or material, it's bigger than that. And so Jesus starts off in in really just the simplest way saying, guys, don't get stuck worrying about stuff that doesn't matter because those things aren't truly valuable. That's why he's saying, make me your treasure, not this other stuff. Because if you make this other stuff your treasure, you're going to get caught up and worried about stuff that doesn't matter, making me your treasure, and you're not going to worry about that stuff because you're going to understand that it's not even that important. It's not that big of a deal. So he says the true value and richness in life is found in more than this material stuff. Philosophically, life is more is about more than the silly things we worry about. The silly material things we worry about, I guess I would say. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe we're in here tonight and you're, as I'm talking about this, you're even thinking about, yeah, I've been worried about this and it's really kind of silly. I've been worried about that and it, it is kind of a dumb material thing. Tonight's a great night to just let it go. Put it down. And maybe you're hearing me talking like, but Mike, if you can't eat, it's hard to be like, honey, I love you, but I'm going to die because I, I haven't eaten in three weeks, right? So Jesus doesn't just give us a philosophical reason not to worry. He gives us a physical reason not to worry. Look at verse 26. He says, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. And yet, like we go, those guys are worthless. They don't do nothing, right? What does Jesus say? And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them physically. God provides for the birds of the sky. How much more valuable are you to him, he says. He says you shouldn't worry about the basic needs of life, food or clothing, because God will provide for you because he values you more than even the birds. He provides for them. He will provide for you. And then you notice that other interesting thing he said there. He says the birds, they don't sow or reap, yet God provides. What he's saying for us, and we need to hear this, is God's provision isn't something that we earn. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? God's provision for your life isn't something that you earn. You don't go, God, I've done A, B, C, and D. Now would you provide for my needs? And as I thought about that, it made me, again, think about my kids, right? Um, because every morning, every morning, I, I don't know what wakes you up. I don't know if you have an alarm clock. Maybe you're one of those people that gets up at 5 o'clock and like, I'm going to work out, read my Bible, do all these things, right? For me, I get woken up every morning not by an alarm clock, but by a four-year-old kid standing next to my bed looking at me in the face. Have you ever been woken up by one of those? It is terrifying. Right, the first thing you do is like, Father, you're like, oh man, right. Think about things that scare you, right? Every morning that kid wakes me up, and he either crawls in the bed with us and rolls around and kicks me in the back until I get up, or he goes in the other room and wakes up his other brother, or he stands there, and all of these scenarios means I'm getting up. He stands there and goes, Dad, I need breakfast, right? Dad, I'm hungry. And you better believe me, this continues until somebody gets breakfast, right? So I got one kid who's demanding a sword, another kid who's demanding food, right? Maybe I'm just not a good dad, right? <laughs> like, dad, we need stuff. But this continues over and over and over until he gets food. And what's funny is on is some days, 
He's standing next to that bed and he's not, he's not going, Dad, I'm hungry. He's going, Dad, I'm hungry. Please get me food. Dad, will you get me food? Dad, and it's like desperate. Like, please, Dad, give me some food. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And he asked me over and over and over desperately, not just so I'll get out of bed, but it's almost like he thinks if, if he doesn't beg me to, to get him some food, then he's going to die of starvation, right? You ever been there? Like, <laughs> my mom's here tonight. She used to always tell me that lovely thing. Mom, I'm starving. She, you're not starving. There's kids in other countries that are starving. You're not starving, right? Why is, why is he so desperate, right? Why, why is it that my four-year-old son, who, believe me, has never missed a single meal? I know he's skinny, but that kid eats all day. Why is it that he's so desperate and thinking that if he doesn't beg me and beg me and worry and worry and worry, I'm not getting out of bed to get him food? I have no idea. I don't have a good answer for you because as I'm thinking about that, I think that's how we treat God sometimes. Desperately and asking Him over and over and over and worrying over and over and over. God, will you please, God, will you take care of me? God, will you worrying and worrying and standing by the bed going, God, I need food, I need food, I need food, I need food. Despite the fact that He has always provided for our needs, why are we acting like He won't in the future? We have a God who has always taken care of us. Why are we suddenly worried that He's not going to? He's provided every single time. And why did He provide? Why? Because, because we earned it? No. Because we stood next to the bed and begged and begged and begged and begged and begged until He got up? No. He provides because we're His kids. And He loves us. And by the way, he always was going to. It's the same reason I get up and get breakfast for my son. I, he's my child. I am responsible for him. I love him. And whether or not he was standing there begging me for food, I was always going to get him up and get him breakfast anyways. Or maybe correction, his mom too. <laughs> A lot of times her. I just... And so Jesus says, why do you worry? Number one, there's so much more to life than the silly little things, material things that we get caught up worrying about. Secondly, he says, why are you worried? Your Father in Heaven has always provided for you. He always will provide for you. You don't even, he, he, His provision is not something you've earned. It's not something that you have to beg for. He has always provided for you. He always will. Why are you, why are you worried? And then he gives us, so he gives us this philosophical reason, this physical just reason. Now he gives us a practical reason. Practically speaking, you catch that at the end. He says, and why do you worry? Because worrying doesn't add a minute to your life. It doesn't do anything for you. Matter of fact, like overwhelmingly, studies show that worrying subtracts time from your life. So if you want to die sooner, worry about how long you're going to live, right? And I, you know, I know, I know that there's a lot of good things that worrying does for us, okay? So, like, maybe it takes away from our life, but there's other, there are good things it does. It gives you, um, it gives you high blood pressure. Worrying uh, makes you miserable. Worrying makes you hate your life. Um, worrying, it keeps you from enjoying good things. Uh, worrying uh, makes, makes us selfish and focus on only our situation and can't see past our own situation because we're always just worried about our own situation. I mean, a lot of valuable things here. A lot of valuable things here. But none of those things actually change your situation, do they? As a matter of fact, all they do is make your situation worse. 
what, what does change our situation? When we're worried about stuff, when we're stressed about stuff, when we're anxious about stuff, what, maybe it's action. Maybe there's an action that's available to take and you need to take that action, you need to take that step. If that's the case, stop worrying and take the step. Maybe in your situation, like, well, Mike, it's not something that I really can change or fix or make any better by any kind of action. It's just something that's going to take some time. It's something that I have to wait on somebody else to make a decision on. It's something that, that I really need to go the right way. Well, in that case, then our job, instead of worrying and stressing, is to be patient with hope. Be patient with hope. Because here's the thing, if you spend all your time worrying about it and being anxious about it and being frustrated about it, then what's going to happen is if it goes badly for you, you know what happened? You've been worrying that whole time, anxious that whole time, stressed that whole time, miserable that whole time, instead of enjoying the good things of life before they got bad. (laughs) Or maybe... Maybe you're worried and worried and worried and the thing that you're worried about or the thing you're frustrated about or the thing that you need somebody else to make a decision on to change so that it ends up being okay and, and what actually ends up happening is it goes well for you, then you've worried that entire time for nothing and now you're just going to die sooner because you worried so much. <laughs> and maybe you're going, well, Mike, it's not something that I, I can really take an action step and change. Or Mike, maybe it's not something that really I can wait for. The only person that can actually change the situation is God. Well, then you know what the action step is there for us? Go to God. And appeal to Him to change the situation. But I didn't say go to Him anxious and worrying and afraid that He doesn't care about you. Afraid that He won't provide for you. Appeal to God. Talk to God. Ask Him to intervene in your situation, but don't approach Him in fear and anxiety. Approach Him with trust that He cares for you and that He's going to act in a way that is for your good no matter what. Because He's a God who has always provided your needs, and so why won't He provide my needs in the future? And then if we're unable to do any of those things, here's what Jesus says next in verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers in the field grow. They don't don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field that you're here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? Again, a reminder of how God provides for us. But then it's this last little statement that hurts. He says, oh, you of little faith. He says, if someone is controlled by this worry, he says, sometimes the problem is that we have little faith. And that, that hurts, right? Especially because as I've been transparent with you guys about this next phase that we're stepping into where we're purchasing this building and I'm looking at, all right, do we have the funding right? What are the renovations we got to do? Is, is, it, is the move okay? Is the right direction? Like, as I've been transparent about how it's been keeping me up some nights, I felt so much like a hypocrite reading these verses this week. Like, oh man, you have little faith. Sometimes that's who we are. What's funny is that Jesus uses this phrase, you have little faith, four times in the book of Matthew. He uses it when he provides bread for the disciples to eat and they didn't think he could do it, so he said they had little faith. He uses it when he calms the storm and the disciples were afraid and didn't think he could do it. He says, guys, you have little faith. And he did it when Peter is getting out of the boat and he gets his eyes off of Jesus. He loses his focus on Jesus and he starts looking at the winds and the waves and he loses his trust. And Jesus, he falls in the water and Jesus says, Peter, you have little faith. You've got to keep your focus on me. You've got to keep your eyes on me. You've got to keep your trust on me. Now, while being 
called someone of little faith by Jesus is discouraging, what's actually really encouraging is that did you notice that all four of those times he's talking to the disciples? And you know what happened to the disciples? They got some big faith. They went from people of little faith to people of big faith. And what that tells me is that I can become someone who's walking in little faith. Maybe I'm there struggling. Maybe you're thinking that now as I'm talking about this. You're like, man, Mike's right. He's killing me. I've got little faith. I don't have trust. You can become someone from that little faith to become transformed into someone who has big faith that our God is strong and mighty and can change all things and do all things and heal all things and be all things to you. Amen? It's important because when we walk in small faith, when we live in that, it leaves room for worry to grow. We don't trust. When we live in that small faith and live in that uncertainty, it leaves room for worry to grow. And then we feed it and we feed it and it grows and it grows and it grows. And suddenly we're not trusting that God is who he says he is. We, we pray a prayer and we ask God to change the situation or fix the situation um, well, because we're living in that small faith, we don't actually trust that he can do it. And so we're living miserably, even though we're like, I trust you, but not really. And so I'm kind of miserable. But we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way. We can choose to trust him wholeheartedly. Look, look at why we can do that. Look at why we can do that. The next verse, verse 31. He says, so don't worry. Again, he tells us, don't worry what you will eat or what you will drink or what we will wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. The Gentiles are people, again, who they refer to as don't know God. These are people who don't have a relationship with God, don't know who God is. He says, so that's for those guys. He says, but you, he says, seek, the Gentiles seek all these things. But you, he says, your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows that you need these things. He says, so don't worry because worry is for someone without faith. Worry is for someone who doesn't know the, the creator, the sustainer, the one who has the power to change all things. Worry, Jesus says, is really for the person who's not a Christian because they got a reason to be worried because they don't have anybody to put their faith in. He says, but you, Christian, you, you know the one who created all things, sustains all things, holds all things in his hand, and can change all things. And so our job is not to worry, but our job is to put our trust and faith in Him. He says, worry, worry is for someone who doesn't know God. He, he's telling us, worry is for someone who doesn't know me, but you, you got me. You got someone you can put your trust in wholeheartedly, unreservedly, and who has never failed you and will never fail you. He says, so don't, don't put, don't put your, your worry or trust or faith in those things. Put it in me. He says, why? Because you've got a father who knows what you need, cares about what you need, and will provide what you need. He says, instead of worry, do this. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So it's almost like an aside. Like He's like, look, don't, don't worry about that stuff. Don't get caught up in being trapped by that stuff. God will provide for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's going to take care of you. You just got to trust him. And instead of the worry and the anxiety and living in that, instead of getting caught up in that, he says this, seek my kingdom. Seek my righteousness and I'll take care of the rest. Man, if there's a verse or a passage to put on the refrigerator right now, this is the one, isn't it? 
seek my kingdom, Jesus says, and I'll take care of it. The election, what's going to happen, Jesus says, seek my kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. COVID, what are we going to do? Jesus says, seek my kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. Health problems, what do I do? Seek my kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. Family problems, what do I do? Seek my kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. What a wonderful promise from our King. What a wonderful promise from our King. So what do we do? We seek the kingdom. What does that look like? What we talked about last week. Know Him deeply. Chase after a relationship with Him. Chase after finding freedom from sin and shame and guilt and the things that entangle us and hold us from having a deep relationship with Him. Find purpose in this life. God, how have you wired me? What do you want to do with my life? How can I make a difference in this world for your kingdom? That's what we do. That's what we do. And above all, River Church, we choose to trust the Creator. That He will sustain us. That He will provide for us. We've got we to gotta even trust this, that He cares for us. That He cares for you. And He knows what you need. And because He cares for you and because He knows what you need, He will provide what you need. And then Jesus finishes with this. This is actually my favorite verse of the whole passage because it's almost tongue-in-cheek a little bit because I think Jesus is funny. He says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. This is a great line, isn't it? Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble on its own. That's a, that's a great line right there. Why, why worry about tomorrow? You've got enough stuff to worry about today. right? That's good. Jesus is almost admitting, hey guys, there's stuff we've got to deal with today. Don't get paralyzed with what might come tomorrow. We've we got enough stuff to deal with today. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in what may happen. Don't get frozen by what may happen. That's tomorrow. You know, it could happen. It could not happen. Who knows? But it, all I know is it's tomorrow. It's not today. So we got stuff to deal with today. So let's deal with what we got today. Let's, while focusing on the kingdom of God. That's how we walk through it. That's how we walk through it. Um, with that said, I want to kind of end a little bit differently tonight. Ryan, would you come up? I just want Ryan to come up. And I was, I've been thinking about this idea of worry and how we address it, how we walk through it. And here's what I know. is It's, it's real easy for me to preach these things, study these things, and, and tell you about these things. It's a lot harder to live these things. Amen? Amen? Anybody ever? And so, Ryan, I just want you to just play some music for us. And what I want us to do as he's doing that is, if you're with your families or friends or whoever you're with, if there's something that you've been worrying about, something you've got going on that you need to deal with, you need to talk about, or and that you maybe as a family know, or maybe just individually, you've been worrying about it. Maybe it's some of those little simple things that you're like, I know, I just got to let it go. I, I, I don't know. As Ryan's just playing, and I'm going to lead us in prayer, I just want to give us a little time to pray about those things ourselves. I want to give us a little time to address those things ourselves. And so, here's what I'd say. Why don't you guys stand up with me? I'm not going to ask, nobody's coming down, anything like that. Just in the kind of the groupings that you're at, as he's praying, or as Ryan's playing, I just want you to pray together. And so I'm actually going to step down and go walk over to Katie, and we're going to pray together about some things maybe we've been worrying about. And if there's something that you've been worrying about, you've been dealing with and worrying, I, I want to encourage you to take this moment and just lay it down. Not that that means it's just go away or that it'll just disappear because it won't. But when I say lay it down, I mean let go of the control because part of worry 
is that we take it from God. Like he's saying, I want to, I, I want you to, I want you to entrust me with this. And we go, I do trust you. Now really, I'm going to hold on to it. You understand? And so I want us to lay it down and say, God, I am going to trust you. It doesn't mean that it's easier. It doesn't mean that you may get what you want. But what it means is we go, God, I, in the long-term plan, in the good for my life, and in, in, in your eternal plan for my life, I trust what you're going to do in this situation. I trust what you're going to do. And so I'm, I'm going to walk my prayer, Katie. You pray together. I'll come up and close us in prayer. And, and just, you know, when I come up, I'll, I'm going to pray about COVID. I'm going to pray about God's d- desire for our election. Um, so I'll pray for that and any other things that you guys have. Um, so, yeah. the most combative and mean and awful election cycle I've ever seen in my lifetime. I can't speak for others, but it's the worst I've ever seen. And we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the end result is with COVID and the election and 
whatever. I don't even know exactly how to pray for those things other than to say this, God, we in this room, collectively as one, trust you. We, we put our trust in you that in the situation that you're going to work, in the situation you're going to move, God, we trust that no matter what happens in the election cycle on Tuesday, that you know what you're doing, that you're in charge. It doesn't matter who wins, we, we trust that you're in charge. God, we, we lay it at your feet and we say we trust you we give it to you. Uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can to seek your kingdom and to glorify you in the process. But no matter what happens, we trust you. Lord, we, we lay COVID at your feet. We say, God, we don't know what's going on with this pandemic. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know uh, how much longer it's going to go. We don't know who's going to get sick, who's not going to get sick. We, we don't know any of those things. All we know is that we trust you. And so, God, I want to say that as a congregation today. Through this pandemic, we trust you. We don't know what the future holds, but we trust you. And I want to say this from my own heart. As we move to this new facility, as we move to this new building, the anxieties, the worries that I have personally, that I want to say in front of our congregation, God, I'm laying them at your feet, and I'm choosing that I will trust you, God. With the future of the River Church, I trust you. It's yours. We lay it at your feet. We know that you are the one that brings help. You are the one that is the provider of our salvation. You are the one who is the provider of our needs. And so we trust you. And whatever else is going on in this space, right? Whatever needs there are, God, physical, spiritual, mental, whatever those needs are, God, I, I just want to say the congregation, Lord, we trust you. We put them at your, we lay them at your feet, and we choose to give them to you. We choose to give them to you. Love you, we love you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen.